You're listening to the On The Go With VAO News podcast for the week ending January 8th, 2016. Hello and Happy New Year. We're back with our first podcast of 2016. This week, we'll recap the top headlines from this week's daily acquisition news, as well as a few interesting items from the last two weeks of December when we were off. Thank you for joining us today. I am Bill Olfer, VAO content developer and senior news writer. And I'm Dara Curran, content developer and fellow news writer. In our headlines this week, we knew it was coming, but President Barack Obama on December 18th signed an executive order officially implementing a 1% across-the-board pay increase, as well as locality pay increases of approximately 0.3% for most federal employees. The new rates are effective January 1st. This is where we like to see post-holiday heftiness in the paycheck. If you happen to have seen any newsstand or webpage this week, you probably also noticed the president is making some moves aimed at reducing fatalities from firearms. In a presidential memorandum on Monday, he directed the Departments of Defense, Justice, and Homeland Security to support research to improve gun safety in two specific areas. Research and development that will entail looking at things like ways to reduce accidental gun discharges and improve tracking of lost or stolen guns, and regularly looking at new technologies in concert with other agencies, and considering operational needs, taking steps to add specifications for those new technologies and acquisitions where appropriate. The heads of the three agencies are to develop a joint report within 90 days outlining their research and development strategy. The Senate also squeaked in right before the end of the year with passage of their version of legislation that would require agencies to report their expired grant accounts to Congress and explain the reason the accounts have not been closed out. The idea is to cut down on the costs of keeping unused accounts open because a government accountability office report recently found it was costing nearly $200,000 each month in 2012 to maintain 28,000 expired grant accounts with zero balances in the payment management system. The House already passed their own version of the Grants Oversight and New Efficiency, or GONE Act, in September, but is considering just approving the Senate version so it can be sent on to the White House for signature. The Government Accountability Office has released a new guide, Best Practices for Project Schedules, which serves as a companion to its 2009 Cost Estimating and Assessment Guide. The new guide includes 10 best practices associated with developing and maintaining a reliable, high-quality audit schedule, explains the importance of an integrated master schedule, and describes the steps of the schedule creation and management process. The National Institutes of Health Information Technology Acquisition and Assessment Center has announced it is reducing user access fees for its Chief Information Officer Commodities and Solutions government-wide acquisition contracts. Effective immediately, the user fees for the contracts will range from 0.35% to 0.65%, and that's down from a range of one-half to one percent. And a name familiar to many of our listeners is returning to government service. Former Department of Homeland Security Chief Procurement Officer Nick Nyack is expected to join the IRS as its CPO. Nyack served with IRS for 14 years before joining DHS. He stepped down from his role in 2014 and is expected to be back in the saddle with IRS early this year. 
A few items from the General Services Administration. The agency has appointed Troy Cribb, who most recently has been serving as counsel for the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, to be the new Associate Administrator of the Office of Government-Wide Policy, replacing Christina Harada. GSA announced six awardees for its blanket purchase agreement covering Salesforce implementation, integration, and support services. The five-year, $503 million contract offers federal agencies a single source to obtain Salesforce services through GSA's schedule program, reducing duplication and improving efficiency. The agency's 18F group has launched a website to help other federal agencies experiment with making micropurchases. You may recall that 18F, late last year, held a pilot competition using a reverse auction under the micropurchase threshold to buy help in writing software code. To the surprise of pretty much everyone, the winning bid was just $1 from a good techie Samaritan who was inspired to put his skills to use for the government. Despite some harumphing from pundits and unsuccessful bidders, the experiment has generally been considered a success, and the new platform, called micropurchase.18f.gov, will allow other agencies to post their projects for bidding to see how it works out for them. 18F's Agile Design and Development Services BPA, unfortunately, is mired in a Gordian knot of protests. In August, the Government Accountability Office dismissed several protests after one unsuccessful offeror filed in the Court of Federal Claims because court litigation preempts GAO from rendering judgment. Then, in early December, 18F announced the BPA was ready for use after some other protests with GAO were resolved. Now, the COFC case has been dismissed, and that has freed up one of the original protesters to refile with GAO, which they have done, and GSA has notified vendors that work on the BPA is suspended. (sighs) Apparently, this company is taking the pester-them-until-they-cave tactic for getting a place on the contract. It's worked before. It has worked before, unfortunately, (laughs) as positive reinforcement. We had a lot of regulatory news over the last few weeks, including a new federal acquisition circular and some DFARS changes. Uh, We'll get to those in a moment, but first we'll do some quick hits. First, the Treasury Department has announced the prompt payment interest rate for the next six months. For the period January 1st, 2016 through June 30th, the prompt payment interest rate will be two and one half percent. GSA has issued the calendar year 2016 reimbursement rates for the use of privately owned automobiles, motorcycles, and airplanes for official purposes. The rates are down slightly from last year, and they were effective December 29th and will apply to travel performed on or after January 1st, 2016 through December 31st. Effective December 30th, the Department of Labor has incorporated OMB grant guidance into its regulations following many other agencies over the last six months. On December 30th, the Department of Defense published five primary changes to the Defense Federal Acquisition Regulation Supplement. Effective December 30th, one final rule amends the DFARS to add two new clauses to notify contractors of requirements relating to Afghan taxes for contracts performed in Afghanistan. Agreements established between the U.S. and Afghanistan governments exempt U.S. contractors from paying Afghan taxes and exempt the acquisition of articles or services by or on behalf of the U.S. government from taxes, customs, and duties. Also effective December 30th, an interim rule amends the DFARS to provide contractors with additional time to implement cybersecurity requirements. An earlier interim rule required contractors to report cyber incidents that result in an actual or potentially adverse effect on an information system or defense information. 
Based on feedback from industry, DOD has extended the deadline for implementing these security requirements to December 31st, 2017. Effective January 1st, another final rule amends the DFARS to incorporate increased thresholds for application of the World Trade Organization Government Procurement Agreement and the Free Trade Agreements as determined by the U.S. Trade Representative in a notice published on December 15th. DOD also published two proposed rules that would consolidate requirements for private security functions performed in designated areas outside the United States. A FAR rule proposed last May would remove the distinction between DOD and non-DOD applicable areas of operation for use of the FAR clause related to contractors performing security functions outside the United States. In conjunction with that proposed rule, DOD is proposing to amend the DFARS so that all DOD policies regarding defense contractors performing private security functions will be contained in the DFARS. A second proposed rule would amend the DFARS to address various requirements for multi-year contracts. Specifically, the rule would clarify that a multi-year contract may not be entered into for a defense acquisition program that has been authorized with multi-year authority unless the Secretary of Defense certifies that certain conditions have been met not later than 30 days before award of the contract. The rule also would make additional changes related to multi-year contract terminations, cancellation provisions, a prohibition on advanced payment for incurred costs on funded units, and prohibitions on price adjustments based on the failure to award a follow-on contract. Comments on both of these proposed rules must be submitted by February 29th, 2016. Leap day, leap day. (laughs) And finally, sneaking in on the last day of 2015, we saw a new federal acquisition circular number 2586 for those keeping track, which included one interim and three final rules. Effective December 31st, one interim rule amended the FAR to provide agencies the authority to award sole source contracts to women-owned small businesses and economically disadvantaged women-owned small businesses under the Small Business Administration's WOSB program. For the record, sole source awards under the program are only permitted in the industries that SBA has determined to be underrepresented or substantially underrepresented by WOSB concerns. Comments on the interim rule must be submitted by February 29, 2016, to be considered in the formation of a final rule. Effective January 1, 2016, one final rule amends the FAR to incorporate increased thresholds for application of the World Trade Organization Government Procurement Agreement and the Free Trade Agreement Act, which, as I mentioned before, were announced by the U.S. Trade Representative on December 15th. Effective February 1st, one final rule amends the FAR to define multiple award contract as it was defined by the Small Business Jobs Act. SBA amended its regulations to include this definition, and this rule finalizes a proposed rule that will align the FAR with SBA's rules. Also effective February 1st, the last final rule amends the FAR to add Montenegro and New Zealand to the list of designated countries under the World Trade Organization Government Procurement Agreement and to update the list of parties to the agreement on trade and civil aircraft. Holy Toledo, that is a big <laughs> big backlog. When we haven't had a podcast for weeks, there's a lot to cover. <laughs> Everybody was sneaking in their rules on the last day of the year. They were, and yet, ironically, there was not that much news. We had we had pretty slow time for all of the uh, the actual news, obviously, aside from regulations. So, yeah. Now, we did get something juicy, though. This week, we saw a new policy come out from Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition Technology and Logistics, Frank Kendall, new yet somehow mysteriously familiar. Yes, it did ring a few bells as I read it. Uh, It was a new DOD instruction, number 5074, on the acquisition of services. And this instruction provides guidance on the acquisition of services. (laughs) 
this has been, <laughs> this has Log- been logically work- titled <laughs> you, know, you know hey sometimes they get it right this has been in the works uh this has been in the works for a good long time uh, mr kendall has mentioned it several times yes uh, in in speeches and talks that he's given briefings and we've been having a watchful eye out for its release right so they set out six different categories of services. It's mostly divided up according to dollar category, like between the simplified acquisition threshold and $10 million is one category. Another is 100 to $250 million, of course, because it's DOD. These are big numbers. Those those are the smallest categories, practically, that they've got there. Yes. But there's there's also a, a special interest category, uh, which is to be defined by Kendall's office. So right now, I guess it's just their wild card they're keeping in their pocket. And it states who has decision authority in each category, that can range from a senior manager up to Kendall himself. Now, within those six categories, there are acquisition portfolio groups, nine of those specifically, uh, transportation services, logistics management, equipment-related services, electronics and communications, medical, facilities-related, knowledge-based services, R&D, and construction. Now, I should say off the bat, there are some exemptions to this, uh, and IT programs are one example right there. Initial emergency or disaster response contracting, those are all exempt, as are services that fall within their own major or non-major defense acquisition program. But for the most part, if it is above the simplified acquisition threshold, it is affected. The instruction basically directs management of services acquisitions at the portfolio level to be sure that whatever the purchase is aligns with mission, performance, and cost goals. And it says, hey, let's set up a functional domain expert, what they're calling, for each of these service sectors. Now, tell me, Bill, why was I having such deja vu when I was reading this? <laughs> yes. Well, this to me, it sounds like this is basically category management, but in uniform. Right. Yes. Uh, so it's... <laughs> We, you know, we were waiting to see how DOD would respond to the, the category management initiative that's going across government, and here we go. Um, and that might be why it took a while to get this policy out, because maybe they were – presumably, I'm guessing, they might have been waiting for, for GSA and OFPP to get theirs out. Um, these functional domain experts, FDEs, are going to be responsible for setting up commonly used processes in each of their areas to track spending trends. Uh, provide advice and guidance, share best practices, make policy recommendations, including uh, strategic sourcing opportunities. So it's very much like category management, uh, which is being spearheaded up uh, by GSA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the only thing I, we don't see yet is the hallways. Yeah. Um, Right. You know, right, where GSA is creating a knowledge reference database. And it's possible DOD will implement that sort of tech tool, mm-hmm. you know, for buying and sharing resources and information. Um, there's uh, no question this is a major trend we're seeing in every aspect of government acquisition, uh, not just the centralizing of expertise and information and procurement, uh, but the recognition you have to have both specialists and generalists, uh, and they can't be the same person. They can't absolutely can't yeah. be the same office sometimes. Uh, you know, you need those high level overview people, the big picture people, as well mm-hmm. as your frontline personnel. Um, you know, it's just not practical to hold both perspectives simultaneously and excel. Right, absolutely, and you know, even Fatara, which you know, you've kind of has been your specialty, your little pet project lately. Um, it kind of has this concept at its heart. CIOs need that seat at the table because they do see that that high level bird's eye view, and they also have the tech expertise to weigh in on whether it's actually a technical program itself. Obviously, they would want to be involved in, but even just to help present their perspective on how tech is going to affect or be affected by something that's primarily a program in a totally different functional area. 
right? Right. We're seeing so much of this top-down to oversight portfolio management. Um, it is. It's interesting that you bring up Fraterra because um, during some of the uh, events that I've attended over the last fall that were Fraterra related, um, it, you know, the questions have come up. Uh, from attendees, you know, why is why is DOD exempt from some of this stuff? Mm-hmm. Right, they're not covered by Fatera. They're not covered uh, by the category management guidance. Um, you know, sometimes they're, you know, they're focused on the civilian side. All you know, these policy go- documents and you know, OMB guidance will have alliances. Well, we'll talk to DOD about it too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, they mentioned we'll run it past them. <laughs> we'll, we'll work with them. We'll yeah, you know, and but, but I do think the interesting thing about this guidance and. and it's specifically uh, yeah, the difference uh, between how DOD is implementing category management principles versus what GSA and OFPP are doing on the civilian side. It really highlights that question. Yeah, obviously, what DOD buys is very different from what civilian agencies are buying, at least at the very high end. You know, nobody's out there buying multimillion-dollar fighter jets. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a very different authority structure on the defense side. And it's something I've been thinking about, like, you know, because the question came out, it's like, well, I don't know, why is DOD exempt from all this stuff? Um, but, you know, the administration or GSA, you know, can, for example, uh, you know, they can assign DHS responsibility as the category lead for cybersecurity tools, continuous diagnostic and monitoring tools, right? They've got that authority to get these things out. And other agencies follow their lead, right? They just, you do this. Um, DOD is never going to do that, right? They're right. never going to <laughs> give the Air Force authority over a category of spend and, you know, tell the other services that the Air Force is now in charge of transportation services or R&D or whatever. Right. It's just never, it's never going to happen. You're never going to have a Navy captain taking orders from a, you know, Army major. It's not going to happen. Even allowing um, the service chiefs in to the, the, the uh, program meetings, that was so, like, begrudgingly... It was, a, it was a to acquiesced. Yeah, <laughs> like, was a oh, well, you don't probably don't even know what you're going to be doing, but all right, you guys can come. <laughs> finally, finally, they let them yes. in. So, <laughs> yes. So, you know, on on the civilian side, the category management managers uh, will take the lead for areas of spend all across all agencies. But in DoD, we're going to see those functional domain experts. Uh, for each category within the services and mm-hmm. within some of the defense organizations. And presumably they'll be responsible for collaborating and sharing information. Uh, but that chain of command is going down, not across. Right. Uh, so I think that it, it just, you know, kind of how you know, kind of coalesced in my head, like, oh yeah, it makes, this makes sense. Why, you know, kind of, you kind of see how the, the, the way it's implemented, it's the same thing. It's the same concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's flowing down very differently through the services as it is through the civilian agencies. I thought that was a very interesting interesting view because we don't always get these kind of dual policies coming out close enough together where you can really see how different they are. Right, compare them. But yeah, absolutely, it totally it mirrors the the structure there, and it seems very logical. And you know, now they'll have the. Op- opportunity to consider you know maybe putting a hallway thing in with the um the joint information environment that they're setting up which still is you know i mean they're still getting their yeah different systems sorted out about how they're going to all communicate with each other anyway but uh i am sure i would i would predict that we're probably going to see that as you know a little piece in there so everybody can sort of refer to if yeah if if not for buying then at minimum for the collaboration and the best practices and absolutely yeah because yeah i mean you're not probably gonna we really need that template for the you know next joint strike fighter that we're gonna (laughs) buy that's gonna cost (laughs) seven trillion (laughs) dollars but but yeah 
that's uh, there's definitely some uh, knowledge that can be recouped out of that. So, all right. Well, very interesting to see. So that is it for us for this week. If you are a government agency subscriber to the Virtual Acquisition Office website, you can find links to this week's headlines for further reading on VAO on the very same page where you downloaded the podcast. And you can also comment on the podcast, ask us any questions, or give us any feedback on the format or content. And thank you for joining us today. We hope you will join us again for our next Daily News podcast on January 15th. 